Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. When Jesus walked the earth, he was one man. One man in one place at one time. And now by the Holy Spirit, all of his sons and daughters, all of those kings and queens, all of those that, that accept Jesus not just as Savior but as Lord and become a part of his active church, the active agent bringing the kingdom to the earth, he instills and empowers you with the Holy Spirit. So now you go out doing the works of Jesus. What did Jesus say to his disciples in John chapter 14, two chapters before this, verse 12? These works that I do, you will do. What kind of representative are we if we can't do the works of Christ? What kind of kingdom ambassador doesn't have the capacity of the kingdom within them to evoke and promote the, 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 the qualities and the characteristics of the kingdom they're representing? I'm here to represent a kingdom, but I can't do anything about your plight. And so we end up talking a good talk, but we can't live it, demonstrate it, produce it like Jesus did. He did not come to show us what he could do. He came to show us what we could do. Y'all doing okay? And so I wanna bring to you today five key roles of the Holy Spirit in the church. Because this is what Pentecost is. The Pentecost is the Holy Spirit coming upon and coming into the life of the believer. Now, this is the thing. When Jesus left the earth, he told his disciples a very important instruction. He said, go and wait. Everyone say wait. That means do nothing. The only inactive time of the church was between Jesus's death and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus explicitly gave direction. Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Don't say a word. He told them to go find an upper room and hang out there, 120 of them. This is before they're sent out. And, and, and we already know the Great Commission. You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, but go wait. You'll cast out demons in my name, but go wait. You'll baptize nations baptizing disciples, making disciples, but go wait. For what? For that Holy Spirit. And we have done good enough to believe in the cross, to believe in the resurrection, say a prayer, enter a kingdom, and are doing the best we can to live up to kingdom royalty and kingdom assignment, and kingdom qualities without the very one that Jesus said, go wait. You know why we're seeing so many Christians get burnt out? Has struggling to live the kingdom life because they're not yielded to the Holy Spirit. They haven't had their go wait moment. And so we need to know how this Holy Spirit works in our lives. Because there's more. Everyone say there's more. The first key role that I want to show you 
that the Holy Spirit presents to our lives as believers, number one is to reveal to you your new identity in Christ. To reveal to you your new identity in Christ. Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. And we're gonna have scripture, of course, to support all of this. So I want you, if you have your Bibles, um, turning to these, looking at these. If you don't, you can follow along on the screen behind me or whatever device you're using. If you're taking notes, be sure to write these down. If you're not taking notes, be sure to write these down. That, that's, that's your warning. Romans chapter eight and verse 14, for all those led by God's what? God's spirit are what? God's son, children of God. Notice right here, right off, we're seeing that if you're gonna be led by the spirit of God, if you're gonna follow the working of the Holy Spirit, he's going to reveal to you, you're a son of God. He immediately speaks to identity. He immediately speaks not even just identity, but relationship. There's no room for insecure Christians. No room for, for Christians that don't know who they are in Christ. We've been saying this for the last several weeks. We cannot be more familiar with what we were set free from than what we've been set free for, but most of us are. We know all too well our burdens and our struggles. We know all too well that life of darkness we were brought out of. We know all too well the grave that we have now been brought up out of. But we have not worked, we have not desired, we have not sought after what is in front of me, what's ahead of me. And he says, for those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are God's sons. Sons is a relationship. Son is an identity. We just saw it last week with the prodigal son. And the son tried to come back as a slave. Remember that? After he had spent all that he had, he squandered everything, wasted everything. He says to himself, I can just go back home. If I can just go back to the father, my father, but I will work as one of his slaves. He lost his identity. But Paul says here in Romans that when we yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, he will remind us of our identity. It says this in verse 15, for you do not receive a spirit, everyone say spirit, of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you receive the spirit with the capital S, everyone say spirit, of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. By whom, who's the whom? The spirit. The Holy Spirit is what lets you know, is what reminds you, is what confirms within you. You're a child of God. Because the first thing the enemy wants to attack in your life, even when you come into the kingdom, is your identity. Because if you forsake your identity, you forsake your purpose. The enemy is okay with the prodigal son wandering back home as long as he only lives as a slave and never achieves his living as a son. The enemy's fine with that. 
whether you feel worthless, if you feel insufficient, if you feel not enough, if you feel that all the stuff in your past is covering up your future, compromising your future, that's not the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter eight, verse one, the beginning of this chapter begins with there is therefore, now what? No condemnation. Everyone say no condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus because the Holy Spirit, get this now, the Holy Spirit's never gonna speak to you and say, eh, you're never gonna make it. You can laugh about it, but we, 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 we live this way like the Holy Spirit's talking to us. Uh, you're, you're, you're worthless. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are thinking you could do the works of Christ? Who do you think you are thinking you could live like royalty? No, you, you go back to the Father like a slave, like a servant, begging and working and striving for. No, sons don't strive for anything. They walk in the house like they own it. Come on. If my dad owns it, I own it. If it belongs to him, it belongs to me. We're not demanding things of God. We're not telling God what to do. We're just claiming his promises. If it's in the will, if it's in his word, why would I live below that? Why would I accept or tolerate less than that? No, I'm a son and son by adoption. And the Holy Spirit is the one that confirms this within us. Verse 16 says, the Spirit, there it is, capital S again, that's the Spirit of God. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. So the first role of the Holy Spirit that I want you to see today is that he confirms within you your new identity in Christ. Stop identifying with the old. Stop identifying with the broken. Stop identifying with the condemned. Stop identifying with the anxious and the depressed. Stop identifying with the sick and the diseased. Stop identifying with the brokenness of the world and start identifying with the newness of Christ. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a what? New creature, new creation brand new, never existed before. And the Holy Spirit's reminding you, man, you got this. You're a child of God. You're royalty, your greatness. There's greater things on the inside of you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're an overcomer. You're a conqueror. Even when you feel like a worthless loser, he's reminding you, you can win. But when we don't yield to the Holy Spirit, when we don't know how he works in our life, no wonder we're feeling like the bottom of the barrel. No wonder we're living less than. Identity is the first thing that the enemy came after in Genesis chapter three. Did God really say? Question God's authority, question God's word. And he says, no, he knows. If you eat the fruit of the tree, you'll be more like God. The enemy's always trying to get you to be more like something you already are. Because Genesis chapter one tells us that God was made, or that God made man in his image and in his likeness. And the Holy Spirit's on the inside reaffirming that. If you are living, feeling condemned, feeling uh, unworthy, 
uncalled, disqualified, not good enough. You are identifying more with your life before Christ than your life in Christ. And you are not yet yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit, the helper, the one that Jesus says, it's better if I go so he can come. You're not yielded to his work to say, no, I am a son of God. I am a child of God. Am I perfect? No. Do I blow it and miss it? Sure. But I am a child of God. I've got an open door to the throne of grace to boldly come before and say, I need grace in this time. I need mercy in this time. I ask for your forgiveness. I can do those things, but I do those things as a son. I don't leave as a son and wander back in as a servant and slave. So we need the Holy Spirit to help show us. Verse 17 says this, what happens to children? Well, if you're a children, then you're heirs. Everyone say heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Do you know what co-heir means? Equal, belonging with, participating with. With who? With Christ. Meaning what belongs to him belongs to you. The Bible tells us that we are the body of Christ. Oh, religious people hate this talk. Oh, they hate. I don't know why you would hate so much the word that promises you that what belongs to Jesus belongs to you. I don't know why that would mess you up so bad unless you have partnered with the devil, you've partnered with the enemy, you've partnered with the liar, you've partnered with an accuser, you've partnered with a manipulator that wants you to think that you either have to strive for something to get it or it's cut off from you and you don't have access to it at all. But his word tells me I'm co-heirs, co-heirs with Christ. We are the body of Christ. If you came and handed me something, physically handed me something, you wouldn't say, I'm handing this to Mark's hand, but not his mouth. I'm handing it to his foot, but not his leg. Right? Why do we differentiate this when it comes to this? We are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We are the body. Pastor Mark, this is only for your hands. This is not for your head. You say it's a ridiculous example. It sure is. And this is how a lot of Christians are living, that Jesus has access to stuff we don't. If my head has access to it, my body has access to it. I said, if my head has access to it, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Where he's seated, I'm seated. Come on. Co-heirs. Claim what belongs to you as a child of God. Now, you only receive this by submitting and yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so to answer my question earlier, I don't know why religious people would have such a hard time. It's because religious people don't receive the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives as they ought to. It's the first thing that gets quenched in their lives not even allowed to express what the work and the move of the Holy Spirit is. I mentioned earlier, we know a lot about God, he's in heaven. We know a lot about Jesus, he's in heaven. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit, Jesus just said, the helper, 
Jesus said the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Helper, he would come to you. So if God's in heaven, Jesus is in heaven, where's the Holy Spirit? Here. Yet he's the one we're the least acquainted with. Yet he's the one that we know the, the, the least amount about, least familiar with. Now, this goes even further to tell us this, that you can't even have a relationship with the Father without a relationship with the Spirit. Y'all don't like that either because you thought you could get to the Father and circumvent everything else. No, you go through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells you what the Father says. He reveals to you the Father's heart. Everything you wanna know about the Father, you learn from the Holy Spirit. Everything you want with the Father, you must first gain with the Holy Spirit because he's the one confirming you're a son. He's the one confirming you're a daughter. He's the one confirming you're royalty. He's the one confirming you belong. He's the one confirming you're, you are righteousness of God in Christ. He's the one confirming these things. So, my relationship with the Father cannot exceed my value for the Spirit. I'll say that again. My relationship with the Father cannot exceed my value for the Holy Spirit. If I don't value the place, if I don't honor the place and the work and the role of the Holy Spirit in my life, it is compromising my role with the Father. I've got to get to know the Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit that he sent to us. Because you know, when you come out of darkness into light, light doesn't come that easy. I'm still really familiar with the old things. And I need to know who I am. I need to know what I can do. I need to know what I have. I need to know who I am in relation to who he is. And the Holy Spirit reveals these things. And by his spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Finishing there in verse 17, if the children uh, are heirs, we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Number one way that the role, uh, number one role of the Holy Spirit, the way he works in our lives is to reveal to us our new identity in Christ. You come into the kingdom, now I need to discover. Now I need to learn. Now I need to pick up on his ways, his way of doing things, who I am, who I am in relation to him. All right, number two is to guide and lead us into truth. It's to guide and to lead us into truth. Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go so that when I go, I can send my spirit. I can send the helper to you. It is better for you. In John chapter 16, uh, in verse 12, this is just a few verses um, now later than what we just read earlier. Verse 12 says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. Guys, without the Holy Spirit, there are just some things we cannot receive. And if we don't yield to the work of the revealing power of the Spirit of God, 
we're going to be cut off from and limited from the things that God wants to bring insight to. You can't bear it now. You can't handle it now because he won't tell you something you're not willing or postured to receive or able to receive. That's his grace on your life. It's his mercy withholding what you cannot handle. Information-wise, revelation-wise, knowledge-wise is what we're talking. I'm not talking about trials and and all that. We've heard people, God won't give you more than you can bear. That's a lie. You don't find that verse in the Bible. He absolutely gives you more than you can handle because it's it's not until you are given more that you have to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. So get that out of your religious dictionary. He will absolutely give you more than you can handle. But when it comes to revelation, Paul said the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter three. I cannot speak to you as to spiritual, only as babes in Christ, infants, immature. So I'm having to withhold things. I can't share how, what I would like to share. The writer of Hebrews says the same exact things. We have much to tell you, but it's difficult to say because you've grown dull in your hearing. You won't hear it. And so Jesus is saying, there's many things that I want to tell you. Isn't that the worst? When someone goes, hey, there's something I want to tell. I probably shouldn't. (laughs) Isn't that the worst? You're like, no, 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 I, I can hear it. You can tell me. I, I promise I won't tell anybody. I, I, I won't say, I, I, please tell me, tell me, tell me. I mean, you're wanting to know now. It's almost like Jesus was provoking their, please tell us, increasing their desire to know. But this is what he says in verse 13. But when the spirit of truth comes, what's the answer for receiving something that I could not receive before? I need the spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will what? Guide you into all truth. Here's the problem. If I receive truth without a guide, I'll come to my own conclusions. He's saying you don't just need to know the truth. You need someone to show you the truth. You need a guide. You need a teacher. You need a leader. Why? Because I can get in there, but without someone to break this down and to open it up and show me the heart of the Father, I'll misuse it, I'll abuse it, or miss the point altogether. He's saying there's many things I want to share with you, many things I still want to speak to you and show you, but you need a guide. And when the spirit of truth, who's that spirit of truth? The Holy Spirit, the same helper that we referred to about seven verses earlier when he said, it is to your advantage that I go so I can send the helper. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own. This is the issue. Is we have people speaking truth, but on their own. Coming to their own conclusions coming to their own prerogatives. Today we have terms like, just follow your truth. What is your truth? Let me tell you something, your truth is not gonna help anybody. 
It ain't even helping you. Your truth is just a version that you have manipulated and twisted to fit your fancies and fit your preference and fit your ideologies and to fit your comfort levels. But no, if we're gonna receive his truth, then we need a guide that's not gonna be motivated to speak on their own accord, but will only speak as spoken to by the original source, by the Father. So you need the truth, but you need a spirit of truth that will guide you into truth because he will not speak on his own. He will only speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. Truth is on trial today. And you know why there's such confusion? And guys, I'm not even talking about the world. They're supposed to be confused. They're in darkness. It's the blind leading the blind out there. They're supposed to be that way. Stop trying to wonder why they don't get it and why they don't love and why they don't do this and why they don't, because they can't. But in the church, the reason why we have just as much confusion in the church as we do out there is because we don't have a yielding to the guide and the teacher and the leader into truth. We don't have a yielding to the person of the Holy Spirit. He's here to guide us into truth. This is why this is important. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, 1 Timothy 3, 15, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, in the church, which is the church of the living God. Here it is, the pillar and ground of truth. The pillar and ground of the truth, it says. And you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. It's the truth that sets us free. And the church is to be a pillar and support a fundamental, foundational element of truth. I'm gonna say it, I've said it before, it'll mess with all your religious thinking, but the church does not exist to win the lost to the kingdom. This is not a soul winning convention. I just listened to this past, this past week of a pastor that, that he was given the reason why he has all these campuses and why he's online and why he's doing all these different things. He said, because we gotta get this message out there. But he's using his platform and he's using what was supposed to be a discipling tool has now become a witnessing tool. And the thing is, is if this is a discipling tool, you become the witnessing tool but we're not discipling anybody because we are using the church, the church service, the church environment as the gear to win the lost. And you're missing the whole component. The lost are won when the church goes out. So the church comes in to learn, goes out empowered, goes out quickened, goes out knowledgeable, goes out in the power of God. And that's what wins the lost. The church, the people win the lost. But the church, the service, strengthens the body, builds the believer, 
equips the saints for what? For the work of ministry. And I hope this pastor sees that eventually. And a lot of pastors have taken that route. I'm not talking about our church, but a lot of pastors are taking that route because they have non-participants in their church that they won't move and go out. They won't lay hands on the sick and see them recover. They'll say things like, you need to come to my church and my pastor will pray for you on Sunday. That's garbage talk. That means you haven't gotten it. Disciples don't bring it to the pastor. Disciples take what the pastor gives them and then they deposit it that in the world. And then you bring me a testimony on Sunday and say, man, this past week, somebody in my cubicle next to me, man, they had this fever going on. There was sickness in their family. I just stopped right there, laid hands on them, prayed with them. They came back the next day, said sickness was gone. That's how the church ought to work. You need to come to my church so you can get saved. No, you pray with them. You get them saved. You get them born again. You lift Christ in front of them. We've created generations of churches, of church bodies that rely on the pastors to do all the work. But that's not what Ephesians chapter four verse says. And so no wonder this pastor is feeling the burden and the obligation to win all the lost in his community by himself. In essence, he's saying, just get me online. Just get them in the building. I'll do it. It's not the structure that God gave us. And so where does the church get compromised? As a pillar in support of truth. We don't stand for truth anymore because we want to water it down so we don't offend anybody. We don't, we don't want to provoke their flesh. We don't want to challenge their, their comfort zones. We don't want to get them to live beyond their brokenness and their depravity. No, a church yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit will stand for truth no matter what, no matter who's in the audience. Just about a month ago, a little over a month ago, had an individual come up to, uh, to me after service. You know, this question is getting asked all over the place. My, uh, I believe the individual said his mom was in a same-sex marriage, same-sex relationship. And we're just looking for a church that we can attend, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, your attendance is welcome, but we will not affirm your lifestyle at Anchor Faith Church. We affirm the word of God and the word of God only. The word of God is the pillar and support of truth. Not my preference, not what I think. And I'm not even apologizing for God. I'm not even watering it down. You know, I, I, I wish it could be a different way or I wish he didn't do it that way. Or if it were up to me, you know, I, I, there's a pastor that recently did that and the video's gone all over the place. Just recently did that uh, uh, several weeks ago, not that long ago. Now, if it were up to me, I wish there were other alternatives. I wish that, that, that you could love this person or love that. No, I don't wish that for you because perversion and wickedness and sin always pays out in death. I only wish that God's plan would be fulfilled in your life. He's got the best way. And I'm not here to side and sympathize with unrighteousness and wickedness and your natural preferences and whatever you decide is right today. The only way you are gonna fulfill God's plan for your life is following his word and his plan. And we will love you. We will point the word, point you to the word, point you to the truth because the truth will set you free. Please come. 
please attend. And I hope that you're not so self-righteous that if someone came in with that lifestyle, that you would be like, what are they doing here? Know that this is the place they need to be, where truth is being ministered, uncompromised and unfettered so that they can receive the truth for what it is. Have someone look them in the eye and say, man, there's so much greater things for you. There's a much better plan for you. There's a much better way for you. Well, pastor, we've all sinned, absolutely. And the same measure of his blood that was shed for your sin is the same measure that was shed for their sin. And it can redeem you from lying, cheating, fornicating, living greedy, and doing all the other messed up stuff we do. It can save them too. The blood will never lose its power. But we are a pillar in support of truth. And we are here to raise up people in truth that now take the truth to a lost and dying world. And we're not compromising that. We're not backing off of that. Because in 1 Timothy 3, he said it was important enough that you recognize you're a pillar in support of truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, I gotta move. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But now God unveils these profound realities to us. By how? By the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries. How? Through the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me you know the heart of the Father, but you don't yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me uh, God leading me to do this when it goes directly against what his Spirit is leading you to do. You get to know God and the things of God and the heart of God through the Spirit. After all, verse 11, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? Is it? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his Spirit, the Spirit of God. And we did not receive the Spirit of this world and this world's system, but the spirit of God so that we might come to and understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. He's here to guide us into all truth. He's here to reveal to you your new identity in Christ. He's here to guide you and lead you into all truth, not your truth, his truth. Number three, Number three, the Holy Spirit's role in the believer is to introduce and implement the character of the kingdom. To introduce and implement the character of the kingdom. What kind of spirit is he? What's the word in front of spirit? Say it louder. Everybody say it louder. Holy. It's a four-letter word in the church that we, we have replaced four-letter words in the church. We've taken the word work out of the church. Huh? We've taken the word holy. He is a holy spirit. Holy means set apart. It means set apart. It means consecrated. It means this, holy means sacred. Sacred. 
He is a Holy Spirit. And the role of the Holy Spirit in this manner, in number three, is to produce Christ-likeness in you. Many people want the Holy Spirit when he's blessing them, but they don't want the Holy Spirit when he's correcting them. Many people want a word from the Holy Spirit to, to lead them into this bright and amazing future, but they don't want a word from the Holy Spirit when it challenges and corrects and confronts things that are out of alignment. But Galatians chapter five says this, verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What is the key to not living the old way? Yielding to the Spirit of God. Walking in the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are uh, not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So if yours wasn't listed, you fall under the and the like category. You were just hoping we got all the way through and they didn't have yours on there. No, it's in the other category. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Can't be any more clear, guys. It's not your truth. You don't need my interpretation. You don't need your interpretation. You don't need grandma's interpretation. Just read it for what it is. You will not inherit the kingdom of God if you're practicing such things, period. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, did you know that there's fruit of the Spirit? Meaning if the Spirit of the world can produce fruit in you, so can God's Spirit. And God's Spirit produces fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we're yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about Pentecost, guys. I know we want the, 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 the tongues of fire and the speaking in tongues and, and, and the great prayer meetings and the services that just pour out onto the streets. But, but these are the things that the Holy Spirit's working in our lives to produce the character of the kingdom and Christ-likeness. We have a greater value for the gifts of the Spirit than we do for the fruit of the Spirit. We can speak in tongues inside the church and we cuss someone out outside the church. Huh? The same mouth used for life, used for death. No, he wants to produce character within us. Christ-likeness so that you look more like Christ. He's the Holy Spirit. He wants to make you holy again. He wants to make you consecrated, set apart, distinguished once again. Verse 25 says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And this is not behavior modification. This is not just try to do your best. 
The Holy Spirit, what I love about the Holy Spirit is he works on the inside. He works on the root of the issue. He's not just working on the surface stuff that's out where everybody can see it. He's working on what's producing that kind of issue. He's, he's working on what's producing the bitterness and the resentment. He's working on what's producing the unforgiveness. He's working on what's producing the lustful activity. He's working on what's producing the hardness of heart. He's working on the inside of things at the root, at the core. And we resort for surface level. We work for behavior modification. The Holy Spirit says, no, I want to make you holy. I give you one more word for holy, pure. We've got to value purity in the church once again. Purity. Some things have been tolerated over the years ought not to be tolerated in the church. We're losing the line. We're blurring the line between what's a joke and what's funny and what is sacred and what's honored and what, to be va- what is to be valued. As a pastor, I value that role tremendously. We don't just let anything on this stage We don't just let anything minister and pour into you. We don't let just anything fly. This doesn't mean that we're raw and rigid and legalistic. This means that we value harmony and working with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is fun, guys. The Holy Spirit, we just read, one of the fruits is joy. Exceeding joy, abundant joy. And not just a laughing emotion, but a joy from the inside. The song we used to sing, the world didn't give give it to me and the world can't take it away. It was a joy that came from and only by the Holy Spirit. But there are things that need to be presented as sacred again, as holy again, honored again. Number four, gotta move. Number four, the Holy Spirit's role to empower the believer to demonstrate the kingdom. To empower the believer to demonstrate the kingdom. Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus said this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of of the earth, but you shall receive power. This word power is the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis, it means ability. It means miraculous and mighty work. Miraculous and mighty work. This is not a power that you can produce on your own. This is not a power that you can conjure up. This is not a power that you go to the gym to get. This is not a power that you uh, uh, promote in rank to receive at work. This is a power that only comes by the Holy Spirit, a supernatural power, a supernatural work, a supernatural assistance. And let me tell you something, you need the power of the kingdom to demonstrate the kingdom. I remind you that Jesus told his disciples in this moment, go, tarry, wait for the promise of the Father, for the Holy Spirit. 
Remember, it's to your advantage that I go so the helper could come. And when he comes, he will bring power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In Acts chapter two and verse one, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they appeared to them. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. One sat upon each of them. They were all filled. Everyone say filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the devil wants you to focus on began to speak with other tongues. As if that's the only reason we receive the Holy Spirit. And we completely forget what was just written a chapter ago. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he's made you fearful of receiving the Holy Spirit and receiving that power because you're afraid of what words are gonna come out of your mouth. That's the work of the enemy. And the religious have partnered with it. Many denominations and churches might as well have just ripped those two chapters right out of the Bible. I mean, I'm not, again, I I was raised in spirit-filled circles, but I'm not just speaking unknowledgeably. I'm speaking from people that have gone to pastors in other denominations said, why don't we preach this? What is this all about? And the pastors don't have any answers. Pastor Daryl Huffman gives his own testimony. He says, man, uh, it's, it's to receive power to do works. Well, why don't we preach that and teach? Because it'll split the church. For fear of splitting a church, somebody is afraid to withhold, afraid to give you and is withholding the more that we talk about. And apparently this power is necessary. Later on, he says, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. It's not just for some and just for, it's amazing the natural things we come up with to make ourselves comfortable with what we read in scripture. I don't wanna be comfortable reading this. This is a book that is far beyond who I am and where I'm at and I want to achieve all that it has for me. And I don't want this brought down to me. I want me brought up to it. And if there's power available, I want it. Why? Because Mark chapter 16 says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, cast out demons in my name, take up serpents, they won't harm you, drink deadly poison, it won't touch you. These signs follow them who what? Believe. Not called to five-fold ministry not reach some superior status, believe. What's the qualifier to receive and see the power of God in demonstration in your life? Believe. We need power. Why do we need power? We need power for boldness to witness. What's that mean? And we're seeing it today. No fear of man. You know how many believers we have today that will not speak up for the things and the cause of Christ? Oh no, I'll tell people about Jesus. Yeah, sure, you'll leave it as surface and as minimal as possible that doesn't attract any challenge. 
But when it's, when it's time to stand up for the truths of the word, like we just discussed earlier, you're backing down. Next month, June, one of the lousiest months that has ever been created in the time of history. And we gave it a name. We gave it the worst name of all. The worst four words you could ever bring into this world because the devil did it. We call it Pride Month. But look at how bold they are with it. Look at how demonstrative they are with it. Look at how proud of it they are. They're putting it in front of your kids. And we don't think we can talk to children about Jesus. Huh? No, we need a boldness. Stop being intimidated by darkness. Stop, stop being intimidated by the inferior. Stop being intimidated by the weaker one. Stop being intimidated by the one that has no power, the one who has no authority, the one that will bow one day, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Declare the name of the Lord. Declare the goodness of the Lord. Declare the standard of the Lord. Declare that his kingdom come and his will be done. And don't be intimidated. How? By receiving the Holy Spirit. You need this power to demonstrate the works of the kingdom. You need this power to resist the works of the devil. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Guys, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, guess what? You need the Holy Spirit. Worship team, go ahead and make your way this way. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing what? Doing good and healing all who were oppressed by what? By the devil. For God was with him. For God was with him. For God was with him. We're extremely aware we can do nothing without God but we have failed to discover what we can do with him. We're extremely aware. Without God, I can do nothing. But we have failed to discover what I can do with him. I hope this has not fallen on deaf ears this morning because I'm getting to the point. It's the Pentecost that empowers the church. The cross and the grave gets you to heaven, but it's the Pentecost that gets heaven to earth. And we're far too familiar of our weakness and our inferiority than we are of what the work of the Holy Spirit in us can do and produce. You can lay hands on the sick. We have a church today that has more faith in the return of Christ than they do in the power of the believer. We have a church today that can believe that things happened in our past. We have a church today that believes that great and mighty things are gonna happen in our future. But we don't have a church today that believes that the same power, the same power that worked then and that will work then can work right now, even in our midst in this day and age. God has not taken a day off. God has not fallen asleep. 
God has not redacted his word. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Luke chapter four, verse 18, Jesus reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he he preceded all that with, you need the spirit of the Lord upon you. You need the spirit of the Lord upon you to set at liberty the captives, the spirit of the Lord upon you to bring revelation where there was ignorance and and darkness. You need the spirit of the Lord upon you to proclaim wealth to the poor. You need the spirit of the Lord upon you. Hear me when I say this. Jesus did not do what he did as God. Jesus did not come to this earth and demonstrate what he demonstrated as God, divinity. If he did, then he could never say, John 14, verse 12, these works I do, and even greater works you will do because I go to the Father. He would be a liar because we are not God. We are not divine, divinity as he was. No, Jesus did what he did as a man, submitted to the Father, empowered by the Spirit. Jesus did what he did as a man, submitted to the Father and empowered by the Spirit. And you have settled for a life that is dormant. You've settled for a life that shows and represents no power of the kingdom. You've settled for a life that that when sickness comes, you just bow right down to it. You just accept whatever story and whatever tale they give you. when the activities of darkness are ruling and reigning as they are, we sit back saying, oh, Jesus, please come, we're ready. Rather than being a solution, we actually find ourselves a part of the problem. We need the power. We need the power. The last one, number five. The Holy Spirit has come to impart to the believer. A little quieter, guys. To impart to the believer gifts, gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are given so that we can reconcile earth with heaven once again. I just did a whole teaching last year on all nine gifts of the Spirit. Broke down every single one of them. And every single one, all nine of them, is an answer for the brokenness that this world has been subjected to as a result of sin. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gifts of healing, gift of faith, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecies. All the nine gifts are given to reconcile the earth back with heaven once again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse one, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Don't be misinformed. 
You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord by, except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Verse 11, skip down to verse 11. But one and the same spirit works all these things. Here it is, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Not everyone uh, uh, has the same gift, but everyone has a gift. And the Holy Spirit wants you to demonstrate this reconciling of earth to heaven this restoring of his kingdom, your kingdom come and your will be done. And these gifts are given, distributed by the Holy Spirit as it pleases the Holy Spirit, not you. The gifts are not to glorify you, they're to glorify him. If you're getting more glory out of a gift in use than the Holy Spirit is or that the Father is, then you may not be using a gift by the Holy Spirit. You become invisible. The word of knowledge is not about you and how good and smart you can look. It speaks to how much the Father loves you, that he wants to reveal his heart and reveal his knowledge and reveal his guidance and his direction to your life. How much he wants to see you healed and delivered. How much he wants to speak to his church. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.